I am so glad you're listening. This show, again, it's about helping you live a better life mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I'm Jody Stevens. And again, if you like the show, I'd love it if you wouldn't mind leaving a review on iTunes or whatever app you're listening through. Some other programs we did on forgiveness and overcoming addictions and your identity in Christ, escaping a cult. If you know of anyone that could benefit from any of those programs as well, please pass them along to a friend. And you can find out about other encouraging resources and healing stuff on my blog, along with my identity course at jodystevens.org, J-O-D-I-E, stevens.org. And then also, if you have um, any questions, I'd love to answer them in an upcoming episode. So please feel free to reach out to me. It's connectwithjodystevens at yahoo.com. So today we're talking about COVID and your mental health. We're talking about uh, the media and your mental health, family and your mental health, because all these things are kind of swirling around as we're going through this time in our history that I think it's safe to say that none of us has ever lived through before. I'm talking with my friend Joel Walton, who actually you took my identity course, Joel. I'm so happy you did. I did. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, a really important value that is is missing today, and I thought you did a great job on it. That's so awesome. Joel, by the way, is a Meriton family therapist or a Christian therapist. When I was doing Morning Drive on The Fish, we met, and I had you and a whole group of therapists on my morning program, and this was a music station, so we tried our best to do these therapeutic segments in 90 seconds. Pretty tough to do. <laughs> Pretty tough to present a situation and throw a story in there and everything in, within 90 seconds. And that's the music format for you. It's like, all right, here we go. We're on, you know. Right. And, and you got to feel fit the traffic and the weather in that 90 seconds, too. So really, it's like 30 seconds to tell us how to live our life. Go for it. That's you know? it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun, but it was a it was a nail biter. <laughs> I know. And then I would I would push you guys to tell a story. I'm like, you got to tell a story in that 30 seconds. Come on, man. Like, I got to get a concept, so- a story and... Wrap it up. Yeah, uh, I know. Are you in Roseville? Right I now? am in. I'm in Fair Oaks. I'm kind of right in the oh, middle. Oh, you in Fair Oaks? Yeah, I'm kind of right in the middle of. Uh, I'm on Madison and Sunrise. That's the uh, intersection I'm at. So I'm I'm kind of right in the middle of everything. For those of you that don't know, I lived in, well, gosh, 17 years in the Sacramento region. And so, how's the practice going right now? Uh, right now, we are uh, very busy, seeing lots mm-hmm. of families, lots of individuals. This is kind of an interesting time in our life, much like 9-11, where there was a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. Same kind of a situation. There's just a lot of different factors that I think are contributing to that for people. It was so wild. I was driving up skiing the other day and the Alan Jackson came on, you know, where were you when the world stopped turning on that on that September day? And, oh my God. Gosh, I just started bawling because it just all came back. And that was when I, you know, the whole September 11th happened and I wasn't a Christian then and then I became a Christian and then it was like the whole world changed. And now here we are again. Yeah, it's a definitely a different time. Uh, you know, the thing about 9-11 is that it was, we, we kind of had an idea what it was. It had a beginning and an end, and then we were just doing the follow-up as far as the recovery. The thing yeah. we're in right now with just all of the uncertainty, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the political unrest, the COVID, the lockdown, people are working from home, people can't get away, and there's really no, no end in sight. I mean, it's, there's no hard end in sight. Yeah, and it's hitting us from all these 
angles, you know, like with with 9-11, what I remember the most is people all seemed more united. Yes. And, you know, everybody was wearing their flag around their neck. And, you know, I got mine out and everyone, you would look at people on the street and make this eye contact. And there was like this connection that I'd right. never experienced before. And now it's like the opposite. We're right. not looking at each other because we're all hiding in these masks. And so it is, it's a very weird, weird, weird time. It is. There's the accumulative effect, I think, that's it's taking on people and not realizing what you're really feeling. I mean, that's that's the other thing. People don't really understand what they're feeling. And a lot of this, mm-hmm. you know, when, you know, because we've got a political, it's like a piece of pie. If you, I mean, if you, if you look at a pie and all the little pieces, we've got the political dynamic, we've got issues with uh, some of the social change and social justice things that are going on. We've got the COVID, we've got work, either not working, laid off, we have the impact of your social life, what you do, where you go to church, how you've normally have dealt with your self-care. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to go get your nails done, I mean, some of that stuff is starting to open up now. But for such a yeah. long time, all of those things were affected and people did not really understand what was happening and why they were having the thoughts and the feelings and the frustrations. And And I don't think the media has done a very good job helping people oh cope, my gosh. cope with this. I mean, it's like they've almost inflamed the situation in so many different ways. And we've got people getting on social media. The stuff that's on there is definitely not positive. It's got a a huge accumulative effect that I think affects people in a very negative way. Well, and you know, it just, it gives new meaning to if it bleeds, it leads. I mean, I like, I get this headline from the Orange County Registrar, like every morning it's like coronavirus update, you know, 1,000 X nor cases, 46 people more dead, you know, and it's just like really every day. It seems like in the media and even in politics is this push to get people afraid. Unlike anything I've never really, like it used to be, oh yeah, if it's, you know, if it's sensational or if it's gory or something like that, like, okay, fine, we get, you know, dirty laundry, right? But this is like, you need to be afraid. It's on steroids. We need you to be afraid. I mean, I'm not a complete, we were talking about this, I'm not a complete conspiracy theorist, but some of it is like, I'm beginning to wonder, like, what, like yeah, what, what? what is this about us always needing to be afraid? You know, yeah. because we all know what fear does to people. This is how you take control. That's what fear is. You, you Fear oh, yeah. and then control, right? Fear happens to be one of the main things I work with, with people. Uh, I'm a big believer that the majority of the things we deal with in life on the mental health side are all driven by fear and anxiety. It's a it's a definitely a, a big factor. And, you know, media does an important, you know, plays an important role. We need the media because that's how we get some information. And it's the old, the, old, <laughs> yeah. the adage, uh, how does it go? If you uh, if you don't listen to the news, you're you're not informed. But if you do, you're ill informed. You're ill informed. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so that's you, made its way back into our, our world today. You know? Right. <laughs> so so we definitely need the media. But we also have to realize that they're there selling us something. They're there to sell us airtime. They're, they're there to sell. It's a commercial operation. And they're not there just out of the kindness of their hearts. They're trying to make money. And one of the ways they do that is to keep you engaged and keep the ratings up. They've got to lead with those lines and, and keep you, oh, my gosh, you know, you know, news at 11 or, you know, whatever, the, the, the tagline mm-hmm. to get you, you know. And then, again, they had the, the COVID deaths and all these things that were constantly running. And people, I think, are just... It just hit a point. You, you made a really good point when you talked about right after 9-11, how unified everybody was. And if you go back to March of, of 2020, and when we were, quote, flattening the curve, that was the thing. We're going to take we're going to take these two weeks and we're going to flatten the curve. <laughs> Lord, have and, mercy. Every, yeah. and everybody was on board. 
everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, I remember driving down 80, Interstate 80, and it was a ghost town at eight o'clock. I mean, it was, it was just, everybody just shut down and it just kept going and going and going. And then pretty yeah. people, and, and then people just started having more and more feelings of like, when is this going to end? Mm -hmm. And then we added all of the other elements from last year, the Black Lives Matter, the mostly peaceful protests that that, uh, you know, were burning cities down and and right. all of the the uncertainty, like people were like, what's going on? And then we've got the election and it just kind of made this perfect storm. Well, and the other thing, too, with the media is a lot of people feel almost very attacked by it, depending on what side you're on. It's like, it's like, wow, I, I, I can't believe the certain thing. I have to be quiet. So now it's almost like. It feels like it feels like we're we're isolated. You know, we can't say certain things anymore. Now they've become our enemy. It's just it's bizarre. And then, and maybe this is kind of weird, but like with I mean, I unplugged all my uh, Alexas and stuff because everything I say, I, I, I get an ad for it. I mean, I'm sitting here, Joel, trying to figure out my headphones, and I look up, and Amazon has just popped me with an ad for headphones. Yeah. I mean, it's just freaky. Yeah. So now I'm like, they're watching me. I mean, <laughs> we're all stuck at home and we're getting ads every time we open our mouth. I mean, I just think that's bizarre. Yeah, that's definitely a little too close. But, you know, back to the whole fear thing. I mean, I, I see it, too, with, with, with the media, because I, I will say this, having been in, in media for 28 years, I feel like because I've watched kind of the radio industry go from from being a real hot thing to kind of deteriorating. And I feel like that's what's happening, you guys, with with mainstream media. It's changing and morphing and kind of, it's never going to be what it was nope. because there's the internet. It's just like commercial radio. I mean, everybody's got a million places they can go for their music. And so we saw that too when I was at The Fish, that the people that were listening were just mainly in their cars. And so then you have this choice to you know, how are you going to get people to listen? How are you going to engage them? And there's different ways of doing that. And it doesn't always have to be the lowest common denominator. But it right. feels like that's what is kind of happening when you see this deterioration. You would expect that the media outlets would would say, let's try to get let's try to get people back by being ethical by really reporting the news, by getting giving people what they actually want. But if they would be balanced and stuff like that, then I would tune in. But because of what they're doing, I don't watch it anymore. Well, I think you know? a lot of that came about with the 24-hour news cycle where where the me the cable networks were having oh, to crank yeah. out m media or, or news 24 hours a day. And so mm -hmm. they, they, they started to become they had a whole lot more commentary as to and, and we started seeing networks going one direction or the or the other politically yeah and people yeah. started very and it really i think divided us and that's one of the things we're dealing with right now in mm -hmm. top of all this we've become so polarized that is probably one of the biggest things that has driven people into counseling i've got people coming to counseling that have never been to counseling in their life and you know they're like dealing with their 20 year old college student that came home from the university who's now woke and has got a whole different view of the world and it's and they can't even have a conversation because they're like so yeah. polarized and it's like talking points and 
and we've we've got to the point where everybody's got their talking point and their and their view, but nobody can relate to one another. Nobody can have a conversation and say, okay, well, tell me, what does that mean? We all want people to function. We want people happy. But how do we go about doing that? And, you know, one view is you've got a, this is the, the only way. And the other one is, oh, this is the only way. And, and somewhere in the middle, we're losing the ability in all of our tweets and, and Facebook posts and, and our cable news, to, we're losing the ability to relate. And that is, I think, the biggest thing that, that we're dealing with uh, because we're not, mm. we're not allowed to have any other opinion. I wonder if, too, this whole, like, it's kind of almost narcissistic culture that it creates. Absolutely. You know, because part of just maturing, I mean, the college student, that's kind of normal. Like, I remember coming home and all of a sudden I'm wearing hiking boots and a Grateful Dead t-shirt. And I'm talking to my dad about how, you know, this was up in Alaska about what they did to all the Native Americans. And I mean, you know what I mean? Right. And, and there was a lot of truth to that. But, you know, and so we're having this debate. But we were still, you know, having this debate. But I think with, with maturity comes, like you said, that ability to listen to other people, to, you know, validate their viewpoint, to agree and disagree. And you especially don't see that anymore on Facebook, where you could post something so benign and somehow it, it would create some sort of you know you're like how did that get political right I, I mean it's unbelievable I'm just wondering how much the the social media and just the media in general fuels sort of this narcissistic behavior yeah it's very very polarizing and and very one-sided that's one of the things that makes this so hard because where do people go to talk to somebody? Because if they sit down and talk about what their frustrations are, they're afraid they're going to be accused of being something. You know, we've got really deep divides as to this idea of silence is violence. And, and they've got these one-liners that throw out there and it really just it paralyzes yeah. people to have a conversation. Well, it, it totally <clears throat> does. One of the things too, though, that I notice is if you go into your church or your grocery store or your civic club or whatever, people still can have conversation. Like, like we don't, we don't talk to each other the way we do on social media. You know, that's one of the things that I've noticed is that right. I think maybe we're afraid <clears throat> to do it, but the reality I feel like the reality is we're not as divided as the media would like to make it. I agree. You know, I, I think when we really go and start to talk to each other and I mean, I have friends that politically are opposite of me, as I know you do, too. And, you know, sometimes it gets a little, you know, but we manage to still connect and love each other. Right. Sure. I mean, absolutely. You know, yeah, I have to keep up, up to speed on what's going on in the world myself more so than I would like to because I have clients that come in. I have people from all spectra, you know, of, of the political landscape. Yeah. I have people that are into QAnon. I've got people that are, you know, uh, w off on the other side. And so, you know, you've got to be able to, to kind of roll with what they're presenting and work with the, the individual. Right, because you probably uh, will have one person come in after the election that was devastated because Trump didn't won, win, and then someone else that came in that was devastated I, because, you know, and you're right. like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, or they're just yeah. like wanting to round up all the people, that, all the Trump supporters, and we need to do this, and you're like, wow, okay. You know, it's like, I'm not sure, you know, villainizing our opponent necessar doesn't necessarily ever turn out well. I have a lot of respect now for 
for what you do, because that would be so hard, especially because we all have where we stand on an issue. But obviously, you know, as a therapist, you have to get into the deeper issue because it's just like when you're in the parking lot and someone's screaming and yelling and freaking out. It's clear that they're not mad about parking. There's there's a deeper issue. You know what I'm saying? It's one thing to be upset over an election, but if you're suicidal, there's probably something else going on. Absolutely. And that's the thing you got to keep in mind that uh, when we're working with people, even though regardless of where they're at politically, we're trying to get to deeper issues of what's how's that affecting them? You know, so you've got that opinion. How does that impact your life on a day to day basis? Are you less engaged? Are you uh, less aware? Those things are kind of the things we, we try to draw out. So what are you seeing in your practice right now as compared to pre-COVID? Well, this is an interesting thing because initially we had a, the industry, I think, dropped off quite a bit because people were like just staying home. And then as time went on, people started feeling more and more of the despair, more of, of the frustration. Uh, as I kind of touched on earlier, people are, you know, their, their home used to be their sanctuary. You'd come home mm-hmm. after work, after school, after, and, and that was the place where, you know, whatever semblance you have of a family, you'd come together, you'd eat a meal, and, and you would kind of like review the day. Well, people now are, their homes are the places of work, if they're working. Their kids are there doing school through Zoom. And, you know, their bedroom, people are setting up their bedrooms uh, for an office space because they got to have some place to, to have a you know, get on a conference call without the, the kids crying or the dogs barking. The places in their, in their life that were the, kind of like their sanctuary have been invaded. Those have created all kinds of problems. And I think what we're seeing is despair. Uh, I think mm. people are frustrated. They are acting out in ways that they've never acted out before. They're getting on social media, connecting with old ex-boyfriends and girlfriends, trying to just, you know, they're trying to find some connection and some escape from the daily grind, and it is affecting them in all kinds of ways. We've got uh, addictions are up, uh, affairs are up. We've got mm-hmm. people acting out with gambling. I do some work with problem gambling. Uh, that's been a big increase um, because it's an escape. They can, you know, it's it, it's interesting. The first couple of weeks, the casinos were closed, and they've been open ever since. And people are going to casinos because it's it's an escape that they can they can get out of their. There's no clocks. There's no uh, windows. They can just, you know, step into that, into that space. And, and, you know, people are kind of imploding their lives in multiple ways. And then we've had a lot of people that are struggling with, um, addictions, pornography addictions, and, you know, all these other areas. And then there's the, the, the suicidality that's that's been increasing. Um, Mm -hmm. and we've also had a lot of, uh, domestic violence cases like I haven't seen before. I have had more, you know, mandated reporting this last year than I've ever had in the history that I've been working, uh, where somebody gets, you know, because once we hear of some incident of a child or a senior adult or somebody, Mm -hmm. we have to report that. And so I've had to make several reports that I would have never, uh, those things just didn't come by that often. And and we're having to get women uh, and and men are even being abused by, by, by women. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's just this really interesting and this is the level of despair people are coming in and they're like i don't know what's going on uh and i don't know when it's going to end i've got this thing that that, uh, i call fuds it's kind of an acronym um and it kind of really defines what people are dealing with it's f-u-d-s so the first one is fear 
And we talked about that. And then the uncertainty, mm-hmm. you, you take fear and uncertainty as to when that's going to end. And that, that kind of compounds the fear. Then that actually uh, brings in the, the, the D for despair. And then on top of that, we have a tremendous amount of suspicion going on. We're suspicious of everything. You talked about how we don't even mm-hmm. like, we're not conspiratorialists, but after a while you're like, what, what is this? This is really strange. And so those, those four things kind of, I think, build this place that we're at that I'm seeing in the mental health industry where people are coming in with fear, uncertainty, despair, and a tremendous amount of suspicion as to what's going on and what's happening, you know, what's my tomorrow going to look like? Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, because, and these are all just two impacts of isolation. You've got, like you said, loss of jobs. People are like, is there going to be a food shortage? I don't even know what the deal is with the toilet paper thing, but y- y- you right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, they, what was that about? <laughs> I don't know. I never really worried about the toilet paper. I'm like, I'm cool. Yeah. You know, I got towels, like, all. you know, yeah, I, I don't know. It I, just, I, I don't know. Uh, and then I read like calls to the suicide hotline have increased like by 6,000% or something something absolutely crazy. So I want to get into all that as well, but I want to hop back onto this social media thing just for a minute because we talked about all the bad stuff, but we didn't really give you any, you know, kind of suggestions for, for what to do. You know, for instance, like I, I talked to my mom, you know, about every week and she's very much fear-based so she's totally freaked out now rushing to go get the vaccine so she's either freaked out about COVID or she's very disturbed about the media okay but then they watch it every night right like they're glued to it but they're she's totally afraid right so I'm like why do What am I going to Why do you keep watching it? Right. (laughs) You know, so, I mean, I mean, you could just tell someone stop watching it, right? Is that what I should tell her? Or maybe that's not going to work. Like, I mean, what's constructive to do? Well, it's, that's a really good question. I did an article on my blog, on my website, mendedlife.com on the media and our, and your mental health. And they're really. It's a very good article, by the way. Mm-hmm. There's like six tips that I've come up with that I think mm-hmm. are just at least some way to approach that. Obviously, the first one would be limit your exposure, you know, back down how much you actually yeah. are, are doing it. Get it down to where you're, you're only watching it, you know, 30 to 45 minutes a day. I think any mm-hmm. more than that, you're just kind of, you're on a loop because they just keep talking about the same thing over and over again. Right. So pick right. a time, watch it so that you are informed, but, but that you are able to uh, limit that. The, th- the next thing that we need to do is we need to get more into community. So we need to get more into relationships with other people. Instead of just having those fears bounce around in your head, yeah. de- designate a time to share your thoughts and concerns with somebody that you are in relationship with. And mm-hmm. whether that's a pick up the phone and call somebody, somebody that, that's, you know, your partner or whatever, you know, so the second one would be to share face-to-face as much as possible what you feel is going on and be able to talk through what is your concern and, and, and think about it from the perspective, what does that information cause me to want to do or not do? And to be able to be aware mm. of that because if this thing shuts me down or makes me want to act out or do something, be aware of that because in order to have a, a chance of navigating any of this stuff is we have to be able to understand how does that affect me? Um, um, I just want to interject and say I think that's so important. If you're listening and you're not 
maybe not as relational, right? You're kind of the strong, silent type. You might laugh and think that sounds really dumb. And I used to be that way too, but it comes down to validation and validating what you're feeling and speaking it out loud is so, as as an ex-stuffer and an ex-addict, I can tell you right now that when I'm upset about something, if I can just go to my husband and just say it, whatever it is, if you can get it out, speak it, have someone validate it. It needs to be a safe person, not someone that's going to laugh and tell you you're stupid. So if you can have a safe person that validates and work through it, you will feel so much like it'll feel like, okay, right. now that I've gotten it out, there's a solution. But not, if you stuffed in, there's no yeah, solution, right? If you just keep carrying, that's, the, that's that a cumulative effect. We just keep carrying this stuff one day to the next day to the next day. And we're wondering why we're struggling because we don't understand the impact it has on us. And we haven't talked through that. So there's something about verbally using words or even journaling that's going to get you to be a little bit more aware of what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a very good point, Jody. That's where I always think the serenity prayer, accept what I can't change. If there's some things I have the power to change the way I think, what I watch, who I talk to, what I'm involved. And then there's other things like what the media is doing. I can't control that. So I've got to figure out, you know, know, so figure it. So once you kind of get what can I do, what do I have power over and what don't I have power over and letting go of what I don't have power over, that can be very therapeutic because now it's giving you some tools to move forward with what you can control. Right. Absolutely. I think the third point would be uh, take a kind of a quick pre-news check. Do a little inventory of yourself. Are you hungry? Are you tired? What else are you dealing with? Yes. Um, you know, so when you step into this thing, are, are you like just had this horrible, you know, Zoom work meeting that you just got through so you you know so you're going to unwind by kicking on the tv to watch some some fox news or some cnn and you're not even aware of the fact that you're dragging into this newscast already some emotions uh you're hangry you, you, you know you haven't eaten all day uh yes. and that's and, and so that's like you're not even aware of what you're bringing in so so that's that's i think an important factor as well that's what uh, they say in recovery. It's, I forget the acronym, but it's hungry, angry, tired, and there's one other. And it's like before you do what you thinking, you know, think about those things, and that'll help you from a relapse because you know, okay, here's what's going on. This is why this is happening. I'm hungry, or I'm tired, or I'm angry, and then you gotta you work through that stuff before you do the stupid thing. And I guess the fourth one would be consider the source. Look at the you gotta look at the source that you're listening through from the lens of where are they coming from? You know, if you're watching CNN or Fox or one of the other cable news or, or even in, on, you know, you're reading posts off Facebook, you know, consider <laughs> consider who the source is before you go off half cocked and, and start responding. Um, right. You know, that's that's, you know, that everybody's got an agenda. Everybody's got a point of view. Sometimes it's best just to not say anything at all. <laughs> you know? I sometimes get caught up in the stupid, like I like to read the comment thread. <clears throat> right. And I'll do that usually on LinkedIn because I guess I somehow figure that maybe on LinkedIn people will be more neutral, diplomatic or something. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's just, and it'll be like a half an hour later and it's just still the same thread. And it's like, what am I doing? This is just so, so don't do that. Right. Don't do what I do. 
and and but I don't do that very often. But when I do, it's like you get stuck because then you oh, what do they say about this? And I but I never comment. I never comment. And then there's my husband who comments on everything all day long. I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, he's like, com- I don't know how you do that, but he's he's commenting for you. <laughs> <laughs> I know he has enough for both of us. Right. Oh my gosh. And I guess the next one would be if if, if all else fails. Have somebody that's kind of like your recap source. Have somebody that you that you you know just back away from it. I, I there's something about staying off the news for two days. Just say I'm going to take a 48 hour break, turn it all off, all the news, and if there's something going on, have somebody that you, you know that you trust be the the conduit that you're going to get that information from. If they're like, hey, if the world comes to an end, how about you know dropping me yeah. a text? Nothing good's going to come from you if you are so wound up that you are no longer functioning. So I would say get a recap source and a trusted person that you can have say, what's going on? Give me the, give me the, you know, 10 minute yeah. version. Um, yeah. And, and what do I need to know? Because again, <sighs> if you're completely upset about the news, I mean, you can't control that. Right. So what good, it, it's just, it's counterproductive. You can't do anything about it. Absolutely. And the last thing I would say that, that would be something you want to try to do is, is to reframe what you're hearing. And that's probably one of the most powerful. You get a choice. You, you don't necessarily get to have a choice of what information or what things are happening, but you do get to make a choice as to how you're going to view that. And it's kind of the story of the story. What does it actually mean to you? And you can either look mm-hmm. at it from the most negative way or you can say, well, you know, hey, well, that's at least, you know, something different. Uh, and with every change we deal with comes uh, an opportunity. And one of the things I think in all of this that we're dealing with is a tremendous amount of change. And we are changing as a nation, as individuals, and we don't know where we're going. And that mm-hmm. uncertainty, you know, we get back to. But you can reframe that. So there's always opportunities, even in, in the midst of, of, uh, of, these, of these social changes that we're dealing with. So reframing how you're going to view that is probably the the final thing I would say gives you some feels like you've got some more control some self-efficacy as to what you're going to do with that yeah it's in it gets back to from a Christian perspective like I, I I'm thinking of Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer the one of yes. the first Christian books I ever read you know and it was it was like God <clears throat> gave us free will and he gave us the ability to think and do really as we please mm-hmm. I mean as we please right. and so and he says I've set before you life and death choose life and that has to do with that's not just believing but it's it's how am I gonna think how am I gonna change change my thoughts. And right. if you are used to thinking very negatively, I mean, I'm a total, was a total Eeyore. And it took me, I mean, 20 years, and I still struggle every day with how am I going to change my thinking? But incorporating like gratitude, you know, every day, here's what I'm grateful for. And, you know, going like after this, I'm going to go to a Bible study because I know that that changes my mindset. Like it, it resets right. me. Um, I will exercise because I know that that's going to reset me. When all of that fails, it's like I have to make a choice how I'm going to think. I have to make a choice how I'm going to think about something. And you know, as a therapist, the whole neurons and how the longer you do this, you can start to retrain your brain. So you can start to train yourself to become not an angry person or, you know, to become a different person. Yeah. The old saying, neurons that fire together, wire together. Uh, That's why... Gratitude is such a powerful thing. Gratitude yeah. is the thing that that is the uh, you know the the source of change. 
because we can be grateful for what we do have. I mean, it's, yeah. despite how crazy things are, if you go back 100 years, uh, 150 years, and, and you look at how hard life was, I mean, it was simpler, but it was hard. I mean, yeah. we have a very complex life, but for the most part, we're not worried. Most of us are not worried about what we're going to eat tonight. It's not that bad. I mean, we're, we are upset by the institutions that we see changing and stuff, but overall, it's really not that bad. And, and gratitude, looking at what we do have, and being um, joyful, finding joy yeah. is the thing that's going to is going to change that. So that kind of gets me to the point of, you know, there are some really there's some good websites out there that have some good news that yeah. I think that that uh, people ought to try to plug into. There's also a couple other daily feeds you can get on on emails that are kind of more sanitized. Mm -hmm. to give you um, just the information of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, there's good news sites. There's miracle stories. There's all kinds of things. You know, as I, when I was on The Fish, we would do these stories all the time. So for every act of violence or, you know, splitting people split apart and all, the, all these sorts of things, you can find unity and love and people saving other people's lives. You can Absolutely. find that in the midst of every tragedy. Uh, it's just you don't hear it very often. You know, they might sprinkle it in in the middle of something negative, but we don't hear those stories in enough but they are out there on lots of different good news sites you just google good news and it'll come up yeah there's a couple out there they're like uh, the daily optimist that's a nice one that's got uh -huh. things on there good.net um that's one daily good is another yes. one good news network is um mm -hmm. is, is another one out there that, that i think any of those you know you can sprinkle in um obviously you can't just sit around all day long looking at those either but i think giving some balance <laughs> yeah. it would be helpful my mom has a, a friends whose husband um, watches Hallmark movies all day. Yep. Like yep. that's all he does. He doesn't even get out of bed. Yep. Well, and that's... I thought, well, that's probably not. That's an escape. <laughs> <laughs> that's an addiction. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know how anyone could stand like more than one of those movies. I mean, they're all the same, but yeah. I digress. The anyway. same story, just how many times can you say it, you know? <laughs> just like, wow. Uh Getting back into as we you know we want to talk about this the the COVID thing earlier we were talking about just the impact of isolation. One of the biggest chunks, if you have any suggestions, is we're dealing with being stuck under one roof without really an escape. You know, and that's why we're seeing this domestic violence and addictions and all these sorts of things, which I do think signal you know, that there was problems to begin with, you know, there, it's also just, I mean, I was talking to my friend the other day and she's like, she goes, we had to um, move my office into my bedroom, like yep. into, into the guest bedroom, she said. And, and I was like, well, you could still like put a bed in there or something. She's like, no, we can't. Like, in other words, we can't, we don't have a guest room anymore because both her and her husband were working in the same room. And she's like, it was just, she's like, I would have my Zoom meeting and then him with his, his would run long and then mine would go long. And, you know, she's like, we just had to do it. You know, they're dealing with things in the healthiest way they know how, but even that was, was just, you know, kind of what we were talking about is having to like deal with each other, Yep. you know, and luckily they were healthy enough to do that but not everybody has that so how are, how do we deal with everyone being together what i what i was thinking of was like my college roommates you know i mean i know there's much more difficult things going on right now but i was thinking i cannot imagine 
going through this with some of these college roommates I had, you know, because when you have roommates and stuff, or even even when you're married or, or the kids, you have your routines. So you, you know, you have your alone time, you have you have the time where you have the house to yourself and all those sorts of things, you know? Yeah, there was a there was a time uh, last year, uh, our youngest is still in, in, in the house, uh, he was going to college, and my wife teaches at the university. So in one room, she had a class. I had, in another room I had uh, was working with uh, clients uh, via you know Skype or um, uh, Zoom, so and and he he was on on his coursework and so we had like you know the bandwidth wasn't going so so we had oh three gosh. rooms at one time we were all trying to and then the dog once you know once in or the once out <laughs> so who's going to get the dog so it, yeah. it, but those require a tremendous amount of being able to you know, to, to talk through what you're needing, you know, uh, and that's yeah. the thing that if we're not really good at that, that's why that awareness and that flexibility uh, is so important to be able to say, hey, here's my schedule for the day. What do you got going on? I got this class. I got this client. I got this thing. Uh, and being able to get people up to speed on, OK, well, who's going to deal with the dog then if we're all on that? And, and how are you going to do that? The other mm-hmm. thing is that we're dealing in the middle of, of uh, and of course, our, our winters here are mild, but some other places they're not. So you don't have an option to go outside. You can't go for a walk because it's it's too cold. It's raining. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those other things is that we're like stuck in the house. I was just reading an article last week and they said that they believe death by despair from COVID is going to be, it's going to exceed 75,000 people throughout oh this COVID gosh. thing. So you think about we're, 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 we're coming up on to, I guess they figured about 500, you know, half a million deaths from COVID. There's going to be 75,000 people that are going to have taken their life through either direct suicide or substance abuse as a result of this despair. And so it's that idea that the the cure might be worse than the disease for some of these people. I was just going to say know. when the solution right. is worse than the however they say it, what we're trying to do to fix it is is maybe becoming worse. Right. Because there's just as many people that are going to die from domestic violence, yep. suicide, drug overdose, <clears> loss <throat> of jobs, loss of, you know, just all of it. Yeah, it's going to be just as bad. I think people need to tuned to one another. They need to they need to work through this in relationship. And that's the thing where if people historically and you and you've brought this up a couple of points that a lot of a lot of the issues we're dealing with, they already had they already had problems beforehand. This just right. amplified it. This just brought it out. That's why, you know, having a healthy relationship with your with your partner is so important because you've got to have some place that's safe harbor for you that you can c- go to and and feel this person's got my best interest at hand and I can work through these these issues I'm dealing with. Let's take just the loss of job. So you've got this family that's together and maybe the husband was the breadwinner and he's now lost his job and there's all kinds of uncertainty. What would they do? You know, like what advice would you have for that particular situation if they came to you? Because we're seeing a lot of that too. And so now this family is all home together and there's this despair going on. Right. And again, it's that the uncertainty, not knowing when it's going to end, what job am I going to get? Then, you know, for a lot of men, their value is that they're providers. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, we're back to that identity. Who am I now? If I can't provide for my family, she's going to leave me. And so that that drives that despair. And again, not being able to, to understand what you're feeling and having a safe place to talk about those experiences really amplify because you've got no place to deal with it. And so that's when mm-hmm. you start acting out. That's when the the husband's out in the garage drinking, uh, hiding it, right. uh, uh, you mm-hmm. know, and, you know, just the cascade effect. And it's it's tough because a lot of a lot of times um, there's not a lot 
they don't feel like they have a lot of choices. Um, you know, if they're right. lost their job, they've got financial mm-hmm. impact. So a lot of times they don't have the resources to go to a therapist. A lot of people don't, they've never gone to a therapist. They don't have a person that they can even turn to. This is the other problem is that a lot of the groups that I would send people to are closed down too. So mm-hmm. all of the, you know, celebrate recoveries, all of the, all of the Al-Anons, all of those the SANA, all of those programs that are all peer-based programs have moved over to, to Skype and, and to Zoom. Yeah. Uh, so people don't have a lot of places that they can go to uh, that are not online, um, mm-hmm. which makes things worse. So I would say they, they need to work on their relationship. And again, if you've got a spiritual center, if you're a believer, uh, yeah. you've got a lot more tools in the toolbox than if you're from a secular mindset where, where mm-hmm. you're just it. Those people are probably the ones that are, are the hardest to work with because you can't drive them into something other than their own mind. Life has no real purpose. What is the purpose of life? Why are we here? Why are we suffering? Uh, yeah. They don't have the answer. It's kind of an existential problem. They really need to get with somebody that they can unpack their world and understand what they're feeling and come up with some strategies to move forward uh, to whether finding a job. And, and I've worked with people in all walks and we sit down and say, okay, well, what's going on? Once we get the problem on the table, okay, so what are we going to, what are you going to do? Because if you can just sit here and talk right. about how bad it is, or you can come up with a, with an action plan to, to, to step forward. And if nothing else, there's something you can do to make things less worse than they are. You know, this idea of radical acceptance is I think key being able to accept where you're at, understand your feelings, understand the emotions, what they're driving you to want to do and not do, then you have some efficacy to to be able to to say, okay, well, yeah, I know I want to go do this, but I know the outcome of that's going to be these other things. So let's not mm-hmm. do this. Let's do something a little bit more productive. And you have to engage in life and and move into whatever if you got to go back to school to get retrained, if you've got a there there are programs out there. And I think we're getting to the point now where things are starting to open up. Obviously, the the, the vaccine's now out. Uh, I, I think we've got, you know, the spring's coming in a couple months. I, I think we're going to get to a spot here relatively soon where we're going to be uh, in, in a much, I mean, the numbers are down. Um, I think we're moving in the right direction. I think, I think we're coming out of it. But I, I think it's a, also a good time to look back at how that event affected you. And mm-hmm. to really look at, do you need to get some help dealing with relationships that uh, have been affected by this, you know, the whole COVID and the election and, you know, work on repairing. I have a lot of, a lot mm-hmm. of families that are coming in that have got issues between <laughs> Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, they had, you know, big blowouts yeah. and they're working to try to get those those clean back up. Yeah, I'm raising my hand. Um. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we all had one of those this, this holiday, believe me. <laughs> I just, I that's so funny that you say that, you know, sometimes we feel like we're the only one. You know, and one of the things I'll say, I recently just moved to Reno. So I'm in, in Reno, speaking of casinos, I think it's interesting that the casinos are all open, but you can only get four people in for dinner yeah. at a restaurant. What's up with that? Yeah. You that's know, like, it's like, oh, people- yeah, bars and strip clubs are open, but we're going to close the church. Really? Yeah. Um, but speaking <laughs> of that, there are many churches that are still meeting. In fact, most of them are. Yes. Uh, the, I would say half of them are meeting here. Some are social distancing. We, we're trying to find a place. So we went in one the other day, and they were just going for it. I mean, there were no masks. People were singing, dancing. I mean, it was it was maybe a little bit, <laughs> but it was great, you know? Yeah. So, so, and I'm not suggesting, you know, do that if you don't feel comfortable that, but, but there's, like I was it telling was a you super after, spreader. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord, have mercy. But there there are um, quite a few, like I'm going to a Bible study this morning, and there, uh, we haven't been to this particular church. It's a it's a uh, Calvary church, but their philosophy is just kind of respect each other's. Yeah. Some people are, are, you know, all about the masks. Some people aren't. Like, that's okay. So there are churches that are open. You know, when I moved here, I mean, it's been hard. I don't know anyone here, but I joined... Uh, a civic club that meets and then um, God blessed me with a friendship where we talk every Friday and we pray with one another and I think if you're feeling isolated alone so is everyone else absolutely there is somebody that you can reach out to that wants to connect with you right I promise you that many people are lonely I mean when I joined this this club and that reminds me what I need to do there was a whole bunch of older ladies that were like they want rides to, to things. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, if you're if you're struggling and you can't get out of the house, you know, find an old person. Yep. Because they need you to go buy groceries or to take that. I mean, there. So there's plenty of ways to, I think to connect with people. And then I recently did a like a, a Zoom workshop on a recovery Facebook group. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of those out there that are sprouting up where you can join these groups and and yes it's online but there's a lot of good stuff online too and where you can get recovery information where you can go you there's all kinds of zoom meetings you can do right uh, recovery meetings i'm sure there's stuff for domestic violence meetings and all sort i mean if there's all the um drug and alcohol recovery meetings certainly there's ones for for domestic violence and depression and all those sorts of things too one of, one of the things that i've had people do is that are that are members of churches is to get uh, i say just go get the get the phone directory and start making calls just start calling people and asking them how they're doing you know people that you know that are that are maybe struggling or you know people that you have some obviously some connection with again it's 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 about how we deal with relationship that is the yeah. thing that's going to moderate the intensity of what we're feeling because we're going to be able to express and and relate to one another. Yeah, it's so so important and then also just getting out, you know, getting out if you can like we were talking about, you right. know, if you can get out of the house, take a drive. Can, take a drive, take a walk. We we've been doing like snowshoeing a lot. I've got my husband, you know, it's funny cuz all the stores are out of like, oh, we're out out of snowshoes. We're like all these things that um right. I mean, whoever used to want a snowshoe, yeah. right? I mean, so but there's lots of things like that that you can do. You, you know. Got to get and creative. I, I think what would also help like what do you tell families to do? Like to me like a family meeting or some kind of structure would be really good. Like here's how we're going to deal with all these things, you know? Well, one of the things I tell people is uh, game nights are always good. Uh yeah. where they get together and and have a game night, but they also have it's important that they have a couple meals a week where they're sitting down having a meal where they're talking. And mm-hmm. they go around the table and they say, well, okay, well, what's what's going on in your world? And that they have kind of a, a recap and, and it's considered a safe place that they can talk to. And that's people have been running around going f- to games and doing all these things with the kids. And now they're kind of stuck at home and they've got to get a little yeah. bit more creative to uh, engage. I think God is doing, you know, if, if we look at this <clears throat> from that perspective, okay, how am I using this time? Am I growing in the Lord? Am I doing Bible study? Are we connecting as a family? Are we doing the, like you said, the the game night, maybe family Bible study? You know, those sorts of things where how could we take this time and 
You could take an online course. There's all kinds of free courses, books to read. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, like to take this time and invest in yourself and your family, right? Yep. And again, it's it's about relationships. You got to keep those going because uh, that's the thing that I think helps us being able to relate to one another. And finally, reaching out for help, right? I Absolutely. Mean, you're a therapist. I'm not, again, like I said, not everybody can afford it. There's also plenty of therapists um, that offer sliding scales, all those sorts of things. Well, there are tons of places to get help at all levels. And one of the things that I would encourage people to do is reach out to some of the organizations that are kind of training organizations like th- that have interns. So you've got uh, therapists that have gone through school. They, they, they have a tremendous amount of hours they have to collect before that they're licensed. They're like mm-hmm. 3,000 hours. You could be a commercial yeah. pilot on, a, on an aircraft at 1,500 hours. It takes 3,000 hours to t- sit and talk to somebody as a therapist. There are a lot of training facilities that offer very low rates. You can get in. Some of them are down to like $25 a session, which is basically a copay uh, to be yeah. able to sit. And, and if nothing else, you're, you are, you've got confidentiality established with somebody and to talk about what you're dealing with. There are some, I think some of the best work I did was as an intern <laughs> because yeah. you are really plugged in and you're working hard to try to figure out and understand people. So I would not at all hesitate working with somebody. If, if, if money's an issue, I've got a thing on my website for low cost mental health uh, mm-hmm. in my resource section. So I actually send people if they can't afford me to, to some other areas here, whether it's it's faith-based or not. Uh, there's also a lot of, um, if you're a veteran, there's VA, there's mental health for yeah. your insurance. If you are in despair, do something. There are a lot of a lot of options out there. I offer a sliding scale. And getting help is a very strong thing to do. It's actually not the weak thing to do. The easy thing is to stuff it and pretend it doesn't matter. The hard thing and the strong thing is to get help. Your website is mendedlife.com. That's correct. So check it out. You can connect with Joel there. Uh, I'm sure he would love to um, connect with you. You can also connect with me. I'm at jodystevens.org, J-O-D-I-E-S-T-E-V-E-N-S, jodystevens.org. If you have questions, you can reach out to either of us. We'd, We'd love to connect with you as well.